We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. This Tuesday, September 14th, a lot going on in California. There may be an earthquake there, but uh, the kinds of earthquakes I like, uh, aside from those that come from Larry Elder in California, come from Kurt Schlichter, prolific author, tremendously successful trial lawyer. His most recent book uh, couldn't have been more timely. It is called The Split, talking about civil war in America. Not something, as I understand, he's, he wants at all, but uh, how it could possibly go down. It's uh, part of the Kelly Turnbull series. Kurt, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Hey, thanks for having me. You betcha. Am I right? A lot of people know you from your books. A lot of people know you from your your senior columnist at Town Hall. A lot of people know you from your your radio appearances and your guest hosting. Am I right you've guest hosted for the Hewitt Show on occasion? I guest host for Hewitt, for Gorka, for Gallagher. I did Prager, if you can believe it. So I used to do the morning. That's my (laughs) question. This is not why I called you, but we'll get to it. I used to do that morning 6 to 9 Eastern radio show. I guest hosted it when Bill Bennett had the slot. How the heck do you do it from California? My gosh, you must get up before you go to bed. 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. Yeah. Uh, The nice thing is the freeways are empty, so I can uh, drive to uh, Orange County (laughs) and... uh, but uh, it's nice, you know. There's nobody on the road. You can relax, listen to a little Roman history. Yeah, get yeah. your uh, get your uh, so the fields with salt on. You, you know? like the morning? It just reminds me of an old Monty Python skit: uh, the Yorkshiremen, the four Yorkshiremen, complaining about who had the harder upbringing. One of the lines is, "We had to wake up before we went to bed," and it just seems to me that's that's what you have to do before you do the Hugh Hewitt show. Anyway, well, look, I, mean, like, I look, I have a lot of gigs. Look, I just signed yeah. another book deal today okay. for Regnery, Good. The Good. Fall and Rise of America. So I got to write two books by March. Yeah, and I got columns three days a week, and I got to be a lawyer, and I. Oh, yeah. I got a family and yeah. a dog over here. She needs attention. Well, we want you busy, Kurt. You're not going to get sympathy here. I want you busy. I want you well, busy. Well, you know, you got you to gotta keep moving. Otherwise, We've... if you're a shark, you die. If you're a shark, you die. They just swim and eat, right? According to exactly. the movie Jaws. pretty much me. They swim, I'm eat, and make little tonight. sharks. Yeah. No. <laughs> they are the left. That's who swims and eats and eats little Ugh. and makes little sharks. Kurt, um, last time you were on, I think, I think I was talking to you about Michael Barone's old, old thesis about hard America, soft America. Uh, and he wrote it at a time when he could describe the military as part of hard America. Since yeah, that's that, changed. Yeah, that's soft America. That's there was a, a lab anymore. leak. <laughs> there was a lab leak of softness from the ivory tower that has now infected the military. So much so that I'm reading today our chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, I guess so enamored with reading Mao and Lenin, has placed two calls, or did place two calls, to his Chinese counterpart to assure them under President Trump, we wouldn't attack. Kurt, I don't have the words for what this is. You tell, you give me the words. You're the, you're the better writer. Well, let me put it this way. It's so bad that Vindman, the human bratwurst, uh, masquerading as a colonel, uh, even he said this guy's got to resign. Now, I would court-martial the guy. I think Milley's, Milley's the worst chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff since that position was invented uh, 
uh, when our War Department became the Defense Department and we stopped winning wars on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it's so unbelievably awful. I first heard it and I burst into laughter because this is in the Army I served 27 years in. This is in the Army I was a colonel in. Uh, this is a a disaster on every level, and he is the uh, uh, dumb, pudgy culmination of all the, these things. You know, you look at Milley, right, and you can't argue there's a junior officer, you know, served bravely, uh, you know, combat, uh, combat uh, infantry badge, ranger, you know, went to special... Uh, he was a good battalion commander as a lieutenant colonel. I know because there were guys in his battalion. I said, Kurt, he, he was a good battalion commander. Um, but he sits there, and he's got medals continued on the next uniform. And you're saying, what war did you win? And he's wearing the uniform of World War II, which he decided <laughs> to put in. Because he wanted, he I didn't wanted realize to remind that. Us, Honest to God. He remind us of a time when we didn't get our butts kicked by a bunch of banditos trucking around the Hindu Kush in Toyota pickups. I mean, it's, I mean, you look at this, you go, what is one? This is a guy who, with a straight face, can't decide. He will tell you, depending on the day and the audience, is climate change, you know, the weather America's greatest strategic threat? Or is it white rage? Is it anything but his Chinese pal? To pick up the phone and call the Chinese guys and go, don't worry, I'm not going to let the commander in chief do what he thinks is right. You got, I'm, are we cool? Are we cool, Mr. Xi? I, I mean, you look at it and you're like, are you kidding me? And you just have to burst it watch. Now, there'll be no accountability because the, the essence of our failed elite is the lack of accountability. There, there used to be accountability when you screwed up so massively, you would have the dignity to resign and go away and maybe devote your life to charity. Not now. Not now because you have a media that's full of idiots and scumbag leftists, to the extent those two don't overlap completely in the big Venn diagram of life. Um, uh, they, they will cover it up, and it will be okay. Nothing will happen to this guy except he might get an additional tongue bath or two on MSNBC. That's what I'm worried about because I thought we yeah, had – and Well, you know, I, I'm always hesitant to, 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 to criticize those in the military. I've always believed – Well, because I believed with John Stuart Mill that they are better men than myself as a general hey, he's thing. He's not. Okay. Okay. okay he's well, I am reminded Benedict Arnold was promoted to general before he well, became. Well, Benedict Arnold was yeah. a very good general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sadly, yeah. he was a good general for the other side too. Yeah. Um, no, no. First of all, look. I, I, you know, when I was in, and I would watch at, at the time before the idiots at the Pentagon decided to make a general rule that unless you were only in certain circumstances could you walk through in your combat uniform, Mm -hmm. meaning that most military guys now walk through without their uniform, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, depriving the American people of their one chance to really interact with soldiers. But people would come up to me and thank me for my service. Of course, I was a colonel and I ran a heavily armed car wash. I essentially did nothing (laughs) to show up. Okay. Uh, I've never heard you say that. That's very funny. would hand me a cup of coffee and say, sir, look in that direction. That's very And when you're all done... They dismissed, salute, and I'll take you back to your office. Uh, the, the young guys, though, do, do, do real good work and deserve our praise. 
but the leadership should be rigorously challenged by every American. Don't buy into this whole, we dare not question the military. Well, I knew, I knew we were in trouble. I, ju- I, I, know, I know a little about political philosophy, and I knew we were in trouble when he gave the testimony that he said yeah. he's read Marx, Lenin, and Mao in order to well, help so understand the country he wants to defend? To help understand the country he wants to defend? What country is well, he trying no, to defend? Well, look, I, I read what, what Mao, Mao instruct and, him? Uh, those guys yeah. to, to help me learn how to kill communists. Yeah. Why? Now, if he, now, then he said, well, I also read uh, Ibram Kendi. Well, did, did you read it to fight and defeat uh, the, the Marxists here in America who want to turn us into a bizarre communist ethnostate? Because that would be cool, too. Or if, if he, he if you, if you, or if he read it and understood the threat that is China, rather than calling to them on calling them on bended knee. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it, they I, often say you can read someone without agreeing with him. It looks like he read Mao and agreed with him. Yeah, it looks like it, it looks like it's a how to. But, but he certainly he certainly read all these idiotic CRT clowns right, right. with approval. Right, and, and I'm wondering. Look, I, I I read my enemies to help destroy them. Well, that's Are what's so weird. Is that that's what's so freak. Weird. He said, I read them to better understand the country we are here to defend. That's no, so no, 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 weird. Look, you're doing it again. Yeah. You are applying facts and reason yeah. to a sniveling worm who is determined only to ensure his own rise in power and authority and to maintain his position. He will literally say anything. He will literally tell one group, it's climate change, and another group, it's white rage, based on what they want to hear at a given moment. Well, okay. I think, I'll, so, I'll tell you why yeah. I, I, so I, I'm it, inclined it, yeah. to believe this. I'm inclined to believe this because he was too stupid. He's like the spy that knew the third stanza of America the Beautiful or, or, the, or the National Anthem. You know, he said, I've read Lenin. Who reads Lenin? No one's ever yeah, read but- Lenin. You ever read Lenin? No one's ever read Lenin. I've I, I read a little bit of Lenin. Okay. He's just a, he's you, just most a, people don't read Lenin. Well, most people don't read Lenin, but you know, okay. you're, you know, he's yeah, he, he's essentially a thug. Uh, and you know, if, if you want to learn how to like kill a bunch of people to hold down your power, it's a, it's a good thing to read. I got to take a break. Uh, Kurt. Your enemies' tactics, techniques, procedures. Kurt, I got to take a quick commercial you break. You want to talk about the split on the other side, or do you got to run? I'll talk about it. I'll talk about anything you want. I'm easy, right? You've had worse interviews. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Kurt Schlichter, prolific author, most recently of the novel The Split. Go get it. You don't want to miss it. It's a great series. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have author, columnist, attorney Kurt Schlichter on with us. His most recent book, The Split, I want to talk to him about. It said it's part of the Kelly Turnbull series. It said you don't assign Kelly Turnbull a mission, you unleash him. Same thing could be said about Kurt Schlichter. Kurt, you write about um, an, an effective uh, division in America, an effective civil war um, in America. It's a novel. Um, but clearly the divisions that you have observed and I have observed in this country uh, had to have animated your thinking. Have we been any time more divided in our country than since, I don't know, 1860 or 1864? Well, look, I think uh, I, I think Joe Biden is uh, James Buchanan without the uh, 
lack of senility. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, it's it, it, look, it's a bad situation. In fact, I'm going to be writing about it more. I signed a, a deal with Regnery Good. today to Good. write the fall and rise of America. Good. I'm optimistic in the long run. Uh, great powers uh, have great challenges. You look at the Romans. Romans were getting their tails kicked all the time, and they kept coming back bigger and bigger and better until the barbarians took them over in about 476. Um, I don't think America's story is done, not by a long shot, but it could be. And there are a lot of ways it can go, internal, external, uh, you know, economic. I mean, there are real challenges ahead. I, I'm always optimistic uh, for a couple reasons. First of all, pessimism doesn't do anything for me. You're pessimist. If you're a pessimist, you sit there and solve. I, I don't think any right. pessimist ever accomplished anything meaningful. No, no pessimist right. ever accomplished right. anything. Also, they're tiresome. Yep. It, it, you know, and they're, they're, there's a strain of conservative who likes to be pessimistic about everything. Sure. And always has to be. And they drive me up. We're going to We can't win another election. Look, I was in Nevada. I was there with Rick Grinnell and Matt Schlapp and Ad Blacksall fighting the election fight as a lawyer. <clears throat> I know about the problems. Uh, I also know about the solutions. Yes, it's a tough uphill struggle. Yes, we've got challenges. Yes, you guys in Arizona understand about election and integrity. Yes, we can win. Stop being such a sissy. Okay, I know it's tough. I, I have in sharp relief. So in sharp relief, my view of sissitude is the fact that the entire Democratic Party knew how to fight for their governor. Yes, and no one in the Republican Party, at least well, at the exactly, national level, knew how to fight right. for Larry Elder. Uh, it, I have you know, watched celebrity uh, from the Democratic Party after celebrity, including the president and vice president, who have other things on their hands, come out for Gavin Newsom. The well, biggest celebrity I, I, I've seen for Larry Elder is Rose McGowan. Uh, I'm not sure. Look, as a tactical matter, look, I'm, I'm friends with Larry Elder. I like Larry, and I voted for Larry. And I think uh, I think Larry is running as good a campaign as you can in you California. Bet. Yep. Uh, Gavin Newsom is likely to win simply because there are two Democrats for every one Republican. I know there are some election shenanigans. Again, I I, I understand their election shenanigans. We are up against literally a, a plus 30 Trump state. That just means it's hard. Could could he win? Yeah. Would I bet $1,000 on it? No. But, but, uh, I, but I don't think I don't but think he is the, the kind of, of Republican we have a lack of Republicans. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what what burns a little because he's the kind of Republican we have said again and again. We wish there were more of and who would run. <laughs> so oh, he, here he comes did, the dreamer. Let us slay him. You know, well, look, but, but yeah, but look, we're going to lose fights. Yeah, we're probably going to lose this one okay. and we're probably going to lose the next. And then the next one, maybe we don't lose that one. Maybe we start winning. We took back four house seats in California That's right. last time. That's right. That's right. Is this but, why it's titled Your Next Book is The Fall and Rise? Every author wants to talk about their next book. You're no different. I wanted to talk <laughs> well, about this. I want the you guys sp- to buy the split. I, I know. Buy that right now. I know. The I split. have to write this one. The split, the um, split, the split. Please buy it, folks, online. Go get, go get the split. Go get the split. I need diamonds for my dog's collar. But is that why you did title your next book The Fall and Rise? We're gonna... uh, look, I'm an optimist. Yeah. I don't think our story's done. Yeah. I don't think this is over. I don't think, I can't imagine, Seth, losing to the kind of mediocrities who are running our country into the ground. I mean, like, Anastasia Ocasio-Cortez, whatever her name is, Cortez, with her yeah. stupid dress. Yeah. I'm going to lose to that? Yeah. Yeah. She's going to beat the founding fathers? Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, she's not. She's not a genius. Uh, you know. But I mean, but uh, I agree. But, I agree but, with but you boy, on all of that. Make, the theory is right. People. Your theory is totally right. I worry about your air war is totally right. I worry about the ground war. Heard a little bit. We 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 do have a generation of voting public that has been buttressed by eight million graduates a year from our public schools and colleges, yep. drenched in socialism. And those receipts are home now, and they think AOC is Abraham Lincoln. Well, so I, look, I, I look. She's a pretty girl. And she she speaks. Uh, uh, she communicates well. Uh, I think. I think the fact. First of all, there's something I do like about her a lot. Which is not that she's a, a attractive Latina because I married one. My wife's cute, <laughs> uh, okay. but but no, uh, the, the the no, I, I like that she was a bartender. How many look? How many Republican uh, uh, folks can you tell me were bartenders? Lauren Barber literally was, and look how popular she is. Huh. Uh, they know That's how to communicate. Point. They know how to connect. It's a great point. I want people who have done. Look, I mopped out toilets at Carl's Jr. restaurants. That was my first job. I didn't start as a colonel. I started as a PFC. If you have that mindset, you know, where you're, you you have in common uh, with, with other Americans that, that you've had to work, then I think you can talk to them. But we have so many people who are just these, uh, you know, little Lord Flauntleroy. Yeah. I don't want any more Republican candidates, Seth. To come to me unless they can say, Kurt, I've been in a fist fight yep. that I won, yep. and I've been in fist fights that I won. I, I that couldn't agree you, more. I couldn't agree. Yeah, I am cool. tired of Republicans that tell us who they are. I want Republicans who have shown us who they are. I totally yeah. agree with you. Totally. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, I, I, it, it, I, I'm not unreasonable. You know, look, I was born rich, and then I did this, this, and this. You know, I mean, I, Teddy Roosevelt was born rich. Then he went out, and he was a cowpoke. Yep. And then he was a cavalry officer. Yep. Okay. I'm not look, I, I don't I don't think we need to have arbitrary see, I'm against arbitrary lines. I want to know your character. I want to know your specific character. Martin Luther King was absolutely and unequivocally right. The content of your character. That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and like a guy like Larry Elder, listen to his story. Yeah. I mean, it's a quintessentially American story. It is moving. Mm-hmm. It, it demonstrates character. Yep. Uh, a lot more easy like, to relate to than Gavin Newsom's story. A lot Gavin more. Newsom, I mean, lot what, more. what's he ever done? Got right. handed money by people? Yeah. yeah. Cheated on his wife? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, just, it, it's horrible. I remember I mean, him doing an interview I mean, just, talking about being a product of a one one parent household. <laughs> yes, but his parent was the general counsel to Getty Oil. Okay, yeah, I mean, okay. It's kind of all like, right, all right. Yeah, I mean, but, but if he had gone and done something yeah. besides just have no. a, a magnificent hairstyle, yeah. Kurt, you have a magnificent thinking and writing style. That's what matters. Character, the split, his most recent book about civil war in America, what it could look like. Bless you, sir. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. You know how much I like you. I hope you know that. <laughs> I'm Seth Liebson. He's Kurt Schlichter. 602-508-0960 is our number. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960, portions of which are brought to you by Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs. It's that time of year. The sun is scorching 
and it means it's time to talk about your roof. The damage being done to your roof is constant from the rain, the wind, the heat, even dust. They bring daily challenges and over time cause significant damage. You may not even know about it, but if your roof is 15 years or older, the underlayment must be checked now because it dries out, cracks, and then becomes susceptible to all sorts of leaks. Some you see, some you don't. Those leaks can become floods. Whether you're in for a new roof, an inspection, a repair, you name it, Trades Unlimited, A-plus rating with the BBB, A-plus rating with me. I've used them. My friends have used them. For all your roofing needs, give them a Call at 480-483-1775. That's Trades Unlimited, 480-483-1775. Or check them out at tradesunlimited.com. Tradesunlimited.com. I want to... um, I want to uh, talk a little bit about what Kurt Schlichter was saying about those who fight and those who don't. Those who fight and those who don't. We could probably, all of us, come up with a list of ten names we'd all agree on, fighters in our party. Two or three come from Arizona. Big surprise, state of Barry Goldwater. But isn't it sad that we can only come up with – can we do more than 10 elected real fighters, elected fighters? Ted Cruz is one. He doesn't miss an opportunity. He understands the importance of communication and he ins- understands the importance of media. He had the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, today testifying about the withdrawal from Afghanistan And I don't think this will probably make CNN and it won't make MSNBC, but it's important we do this nonetheless. And then I'll say something about why it is so important we do it nonetheless. Focus on nonetheless. Listen to this. But I want to ask you flat out, did the State Department give the Taliban a list or multiple list of Americans and or Afghans that we wanted out? Those reports and the idea that we would do anything to endanger our citizens or anyone else at a time when we were trying to save their lives is flat out wrong. Let, let me, Those reports like, are flat out wrong. Let that? me let me be very clear. That's what he said, uh, Senator. If I may, please. Flat Thank out you. Um, in limited instances where we were seeking to get a bus or a group of people through a checkpoint, we gave a manifest to the people at the checkpoint to demonstrate that those people were expected. Stop, stop, stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. These reports are flat out wrong, he says. And then we start get well, no, they're not flat out wrong. Now you're telling us you gave some names out. So it's not flat out wrong. Lie number one. Keep going. On the list you gave. Uh, d- doesn't matter because they all... Dozens, they, hundreds, thousands. Give us some order of magnitude. This happened in a, in a handful of situations where to dozens? get Dozens? So is it your I, testimony it wasn't hundreds? I want to understand, did you give them thousands of names? No, I, we did not. Okay, hundreds? Uh, not going to put a number on it, but it was, it, again... Well, why not? This he is can't a say no, that's enough. He can't names? say no to hundreds <laughs> the way he can say no to thousands. That's interesting. That's interesting. He can say no to thousands... But he won't say no to hundreds. Now, the only reason you don't give a full and complete answer when you're under oath in front of the House or Senate, there's really two reasons. One is you don't want to disclose a national security 
um, secret or obviously blow any kind of uh, evade or violate any kind of confidentiality agreement, obviously. That's reason one. And reason two is you don't want the fact out there. You don't want the truth to be told. Now, it can't possibly be a national security secret at this point, it having been reported everywhere and there being no American military left in, the, uh, in, in Afghanistan. It can't possibly be. So when he says no to thousands, it becomes interesting why he can't say no to hundreds. Yesterday, he was asked about being interviewed by the FBI in relation to Hunter Biden. He gave an answer that arguably met both categories. Most importantly, the second category, which is it's politically uncomfortable. He's relying on the first, which is it would violate some kind of some kind of order, some kind of restrictive order or confidentiality agreement, some kind of gag order. I don't think it exists, not the way the question was asked. But boy, the more you look at this administration, the worse it is. And those who say Donald Trump was a liar and he lied, they got nothing on him compared to this team. Nothing. It's like comparing a speed bump to Everest. Wow, I didn't know this. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. I did not know this. We just played some Ronnie Millsap music. I've interviewed Ronnie Millsap. Uh, we were playing Smoky Mountain Rain, uh, I think, entering the previous segment. And I just got an email saying a very similar song story as Elvis's Kentucky Rain, which Ronnie Millsap played piano on during the recording. I had no idea. For an extra bonus, who wrote Kentucky Rain? Someone who has two bumper songs in our music, best I know. Not a Kentuckian. <laughs> a guy from New York City. Like the old Pace Picante sauce ads. <laughs> Eddie Rabbit wrote it. It's what gave Eddie Rabbit his career. Eddie Rabbit, Ronnie Millsop, Elvis. You could do a lot worse than that group, couldn't you? Anyway, 602508. Zero nine six zero. You know, you think about the assaults to our Constitution. This retired American history teacher was saying there were two major ones. I, it's interesting to me that the um, I, I I simply don't understand how January six was an assault on our Constitution. It was a series of crimes, um, and uh, they were prosecuted, and I think over prosecuted in some respects. And I think there are some very serious civil liberty questions to be asked about the manner in which some of them are being detained. Uh, but the lies in this op-ed in the Arizona Republic today I mentioned earlier uh, are manifest. And if it were a real paper, they would have edited out some of those lies. But in any event, they're, not, they're, 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 they're just not disputable. Five people were not killed January 6 riots. It's just, that's one of many. But the notion that there were two serious assaults on our Constitution, January 6 and the Civil War, it's interesting to me that the ones taking place before our very eyes just continually go unnoticed, even when they are admitted to, right? Even when they are admitted to. So Joe Biden says, I don't have the constitutional authority to extend the rent abatement mandate. 
and then you wake up the next day and see he did it. See, he did it. I don't know what constitutional authority he has to mandate private businesses, mandate private businesses and force vaccines against people. I have no idea. That, that to me, is perhaps the most serious constitutional violation I have seen from a White House in I don't know how long. I honestly don't. I honestly don't. It takes a lot of work to explain this to people who aren't schooled in these areas. But the federal government does not have general, plenary, or in any sense unregulated police power. It just doesn't. And when you go back to these cases about vaccine mandates that keep getting cited from the 20th, from the early 1900s, they all talk about these are state. These are state mandates talking about in the Supreme Court language, not violating the rights of the federal Constitution. They understand that there is a state and a federal authority here and what states can do. Feds can't as recently as 2000, excuse me, 1995, as recently as 1995, 15 years ago or so, the Supreme Court, in what was possibly the second or third most important Commerce Clause case, known as the Lopez decision, said specifically the Constitution withholds from Congress a plenary police power that would authorize enactment of every type of legislation. The question under the purported authority is whether the regulation of intra or interstate instrumentalities, using the Supreme Court's language, involves channels or goods in interstate commerce. That is manifestly not the COVID virus. You say, well, people travel. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. People travel. And that's why the court has never supported or upheld a federal general police power. People are not instrumentalities, goods, or channels. And neither is a virus. If you want to talk about constitutional violations, maybe start there and then talk to me about censorship. Talk to me about censorship and violations of the First Amendment. And then talk to me about the last time you ever heard of this country shutting down churches and synagogues and mosques. Talk to me about those violations of the Constitution, whether they came from states or the District of Columbia. Because you see, though the federal power, though the federal U.S. Constitution cannot allow, permit, tolerate, uphold anything and everything the President and Congress do, the other side of that coin is not exact. There are certain things feds can't do to states, but guess what? States can't violate the U.S. Constitution either.
Where were these op-eds when churches and synagogues and mosques were being shut down? And where will these columns be once private individuals are threatened with their job if they don't take an injection or two? Or, as the trend is going, three or four. It's interesting to me what people find to be a constitutional violation and what they don't. Really interesting. You can do this without being a partisan. You truly can. You truly can. You can be a Democrat or a liberal and say of January 6th that it was a terrible day and a terrible event that shouldn't have happened with a lot of failures all over the place and an unruly mob of anarchists, misfits, whatever you want to call them. Whatever you want to call them. But the notion where our Senate and House was back at work that night and certifying the election before sunup the next day, that this stopped democracy and was a huge violation of our Constitution. It's not about planks and specks in an eye when you compare it to the violation of people's right to be constitutional right to be safe and secure. 25 people were killed in true riots, violent riots that truly could, if unchecked, have put our country asunder. Federal courthouses were being firebombed and this columnist said nothing. 25 people were killed in the riots of last summer. And I have 25-year-olds saying there were riots in this country last summer. It's the power of the media, and when it wants its power, it knows how to use it. You have 25-year-olds who know nothing, not about history, but about last year. And so, as C.S. Lewis said, you can change the history, as this history teacher did, and subject people to propaganda. A little more Ronnie, good. With another song written by Eddie, if I'm not mistaken. A little more Ronnie Millsap, Eddie Rabbit uh, connection there, now that I think about it. I just got an email during the break. If I didn't receive it, um, I would have written it. Listener John writes, can you please help us conservatives? Democrats and leftists are experts at something we simply know nothing about. If we can't figure this out, we'll never completely get our message out. What is this thing we know nothing about? Protesting. How do we go about it? The recent vaccine mandate, for example, and it goes into that a little bit. In these historically controversial times when social media seems to stifle our ability to organize, how do we band together and take to the streets and public square? How did the BLM people do it? And we cannot. Any ideas? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you read. It's something I've been wanting to talk about all day. Yes, I do have ideas. First of all, the importance of doing something. You've heard me talk about when people protest on a corner or call in, for example, to a radio show, how important it is for others who may share their beliefs to know that they are not alone. They're not crazy, even though the culture is telling them they're crazy. It's important. And I'll tell you a fun story about this. There were protests 
I forget exactly where. I think on the corner of Shea and Tatum, but don't hold me to it, whatever it was. There were – many listeners in this audience will know what I'm talking about. There were protests in North Scottsdale over the relocating of illegal immigrants into a residential neighborhood in Scottsdale. And there were protests on the streets. We promoted them. I just apologize for not remembering the cross streets. And I was with some folks the other day who were at one of those protests, in fact, helped organize it. And they said, now you're friends with so-and-so. Now, so-and-so is a dear friend, a very establishment person in town. And I said, yes. And they said, oh, I got to tell you, did, did he tell you about the time he joined our protest? I said, the one on the corner about the illegal aliens? He said, yeah. He said, no, didn't know about it. He said, oh, yeah, he was driving by, pulled over and joined us. And I asked him about it after that. It's only a week ago. And I asked him about it. He said, oh, yeah, I saw them and I just thought I'd add to their numbers. This is what happens and this is how it happens. And that's why it's important. I learned one thing for working for the only moderate Republican I ever worked for. And I only worked for him because he was the only game in town in Massachusetts. Can you forgive me? <laughs> I worked for Bill, Bill Weld once in his office of legal counsel. But he did say something very important and true, which is you never know where your next coalition is coming from. The answer is it's going to take a little patience, John, because we have a lot of unlearning to communicate. We have a few places. Talk radio is one of them. Don't think it doesn't matter. I can't tell you how many people have called me or told me or Dennis, more Dennis than me, how they used to hate us and disagree with us and have come around over time. Don't under This is a long process. It's not going to happen overnight. The reason BLM was successful, to answer your question, is you had a journalistic com community that was a priori in agreement with them. We need to build a community that's a priori in agreement with us or at least open to us. It takes patience. We'll get there because we have right on our side, and I'd rather right than power.